Hello and good evening. Uh, I'm Keith Hanning with NC Realty Services, uh, bringing you another episode of The Truth in Real Estate and More Unscripted. Uh, you know, we talked last week about the virus, so I'm trying not to go too much more down that road today, although it seems to be the topic of everyone's conversation. Let's get to some real real estate news for you. We'll try to be a little more eye-opening about real estate scenes. That's what we, that's what the title of the show is about, right? So I was perusing the internet earlier today and uh, actually Googled my own podcast name just to see what would come up. And, and I found several um, pages, blogs, internet sites where people were talking about real estate and realtors and the truth and not telling the truth and came up with several different things that I found very interesting. First, I would warn you, and let's put a disclaimer out there, you know, everything you read is not the truth. And oftentimes there's a lot of articles put out where there's a lot that sounds true and yet um, falls slightly shaded to one side of the fence or the other. I guess you have to consider a little bit the source of where the information is coming from and what they're trying to get you to do based on the information they're feeding you. So um, first, you know, we'll address some lies that real estate agents tell. And um, I'm not going to author this because there were several pages of different people's input were involved. But let me just address the main topics that seemed like everybody was using and, and, and drill down into some of these areas. So, you know, they, they were trying to address when and where and how does a realtor or a broker or in some states you still have agents uh, when and why and how do they tell lies to their to their potential customers or clients? And so they kind of formulated this list, and I so I wrote a few of them down. And and so um, let's just go down some of them, and we'll talk about the importance of that. First, most of the sites talked about their listings. They lied about their listings or the amount of listings they had, which certainly is easy enough for someone to find out. It was, it was significantly important to me, though, that I noticed that they were suggesting that you still had to have listings to be involved in the real estate business and to be successful. You know, the old adage was you had to list to last. And, and it was very true. If you had the list that we now have as a public list, right, everybody has access to the MLS and to the homes that are listed for sale. But back in those early days, uh, that wasn't the case. You had the list in your in your vest pocket, let's say, and when you put a house on the market, you added it to your list, and it was on your tour of homes that you gave and that kind of thing until it sold. And so in order for someone to come and buy a home, they had to find the person with the list and, and review their list and see what they had and go to somebody else and maybe review their list and see what they had. And so we put that to bed by going to an, an, an MLS and then beyond that, to it becoming public record. And people can go around and look at houses that they want to buy that are on the market without ever talking to a real estate agent. So um, so getting back to the question, do agents lie about their listings? Yes, there are probably times when people are going to talk about how many listings they have. But you as a um, consumer looking for a real estate agent probably shouldn't put as much stock in the fact that they have a lot of listings or some companies other don't do any listings at all. Um, there are a lot of agents that never have or don't have in a year's time a listing and still do a very good job and still bring 
uh, great services to the table that you should take could take advantage of. So in your process of vetting agents, I would put less stock on how many listings they have. In fact, myself personally, I would want to go to someone with very few listings and I would hope they would put more time and attention into mine by getting it. So there are different reasons to do different things, um, but listings was on their list. Um, specialties. In the real estate world, it only takes you calling yourself a specialist to be a specialist. So yes, um, agents could technically and probably do try to mislead you a little bit on what their specialties are. Uh, they might put a sign up that says their uh, uh, their specialty is log homes, for example. The, your question when you vet that individual probably need to be somewhere along the line of, well, how many log homes have you done? Do you Have you ever built them? Or what, what made you a specialist? How do you claim that you are the specialist you say you are? Uh, me, for example, I claim to be the tops in the field in manufacturing uh, and modular homes in the industry. But why? Because I've done everything in that industry over the last 30 years, literally from giving tours in the factory uh, to selling them and setting up the whole nine yards. So uh, I've been on every position probably there is. I, I haven't been at every station in the factory. I've never welded a frame. So let me go ahead and disclose that. But excuse me, but I certainly understand the principle of each of those. You know, I'm licensed to do manufactured homes, both to sell them uh, as well. And, and I'm in the modular land home package business as we speak today. And being a certified residential appraiser and being able to specialize that in the appraisal business makes me in the top, I don't know, probably 5%. I try to tell people typically I'm in the 5 to 10% range probably in the entire country. Uh, I don't know very many people that are going to have more than 20 years experience, be a certified appraiser, be a licensed state broker, uh, and have been in that in the field and and developing land home packages, putting out manufactured modular homes. So, so legitimately, I I could call myself, you know, a modular home specialist or a manufactured home specialist. I don't tend to do that unless I'm just personally talking to somebody who's asking those kind of questions and wants to know my background or history. But I can't imagine anybody saying I'm not qualified to use that title. But as I said, somebody could have a sign made and stick it on their car door or put a sign up in a subdivision, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and very well consider themselves qualified to be a specialist. Um, I do new home construction and, and I certainly consider myself a new home specialist. Could I go out to a subdivision that's building new homes and say, I'm a new home specialist and I'm also a buyer's representative. Let me help represent you when you buy from this builder. Uh, I, I could do that legitimately, but there are some people who would do that, who then wouldn't necessarily have the skill or expertise to help you beyond, ain't it pretty, don't you want to buy it? So you need to be careful. And as I say in my book, you your responsibility is to vet the people you use. So you've got to ask the right questions. Well, how is it you became this specialist? Uh, what qualifications do you have? And how does that help me? You know, it's always back to that famous radio station, right? W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me? And that's what you should be asking when you're talking about. So you're a specialist, then how does that help you? How does that, you know, help me get to my dreams and my goals? That's what we're here for is to help you, the buyer and the seller, uh, you know, handle your dreams, manage your dreams and cover your dreams so that they don't become nightmares. All right. So uh, listings, specialties, experience. Now, experience is a biggie that I um, I differ with a lot of people. 
I have some really good friends that are very experienced um, real estate people in all different states in this country. And oftentimes they say real estate is about people buying from people. I agree, but they think it's about branding the individual. So they want their agents to go out and brand themselves. I say to you, that's not practical and it's certainly not productive. And what do I mean by that? Let's say I bring a new agent into my office this week who is brand new to the real estate business. Do you think he's going to go to a client uh, or a potential let's say listing appointment and go in and say, Hey folks, I'm brand new. I've got no experience. This is my first listing appointment and I've never done this before. And I'm not really sure what I'm doing. So please bear with me as I stumble through. Oh, by the way, are you willing to take a chance on me and let me be your agent? Now, unless he's going for the sympathetic approach, <laughs> there's probably not much chance that he's going to win that opportunity unless there's some other motivations involved that I'm not aware of. Instead, what I what I tell my people when they come on board, if I brought somebody in new tomorrow, I'd say you use the same adage we do in retail sales. And that is you brand the company first. The company has a history. The company has a story. The company has a reason to invest in. So we brand the company first. Why do you buy with NC Realty Services? Why do you list with NC Realty Services? Why do you why do you do anything invest in rent NC Realty Services so that NC Realty Services has a story we've been in business under different names but since 1999 we've got a lot of experience in the business and in the industry so all of this we can kind of bring to the table and talking about the company i know companies that when you go in to talk with them or meet with them to buy they they set you down and they tell the company story they want you to understand the history because that is what you're buying in that's what you're investing in that's what you're selling through is that and then secondly i say to my to my agent or my broker brand the team you're part of a team that's what i do is build little teams so you're part of a team and on your team you have an appraiser that's got 20 plus years experience on your team you have a previous lender on your team you have a construction superintendent or a construct or a general contractor who now is on the team as an as a broker and so you can draw from those experiences you can also draw from experiences on your team that aren't even employed by us right you have a a home inspector that we that we tend to lean towards using because they're reliable and and they give us the best price for buying. We're going to have appraisers that are that way. We're going to have bankers that are that way. You know, every aspect, home cleaners, home movers, storage facilities, all of these different people make up our team of what we do and how we bring these services to the table for you. Um now a, a a homeowner that's for sale by owner for example, unless they've got experience in this industry, they don't have that team. They don't have those people there that are going to be there to help you when you need it. And so that that's one big key that they're lacking that they need an agent for. They don't know they need it sometimes but they need it for that. It's not the only reason but that's one of them. So so brand the company, brand the team and then brand yourself. And then a new person can say, "Hey, I'm brand new and I'm eager to do the very best I can do for you and I got all these experts standing over my shoulder watching me." who are going to make sure I don't trip, stumble or fall. Uh you know what I'm asking for. I'm I it's a job interview. I want the job. 
And these people are going to help make sure that I do the job right. Can I earn your business today? That's probably a far better approach than going in there and saying, I'm new. I've never done this before. Help me. Uh, will you please, you know, feed me, Seymour? All right. So um, experience falls right in line with that. You know, sometimes being the most experienced agent out there um, is not necessarily going to be the best thing for you either. So you need to look at that. Sometimes the young, like we just talked about, the young new agent has got nothing else to do but to spend time on your deal. He's probably going to be 100 miles an hour in a ball of fire. And maybe that's what you want and need. Uh, I certainly enjoy working with those kind of people. So, um, so I would say sometimes that's a better approach to who you should select. Again, you need to vet your opportunities, what you have there and then make the best choice for you. But I wouldn't necessarily say whoever I talk to has got to have five years experience. This one article I was reading was suggesting if they had less than five years, they weren't worth hiring. Well, I, I can't imagine how they made it in this business. I can't imagine anybody sitting around for five years, not making any money and still being in this business. So I, I don't think that's a very fair way to vet or assess who you're looking for just based on that experience calendar. I think the other things we talked about the company and the team are far more important. Do they lie about themselves? I don't find that most realtors lie about themselves necessarily. They may be trying to put on a facade, you know, wearing the jewelry, driving the fancy car and, you know, sleeping on the floor at home. That's possible. But I think for the most part in today's um, world, they know it's too easy to Google them. It's too easy to Facebook them. Uh, you're going to know who they really are at, at, at the root core of who they are. And so I don't think there should be a, a whole lot of misunderstandings there. That may be something that in the past was more prevalent than it would be to now. Um, do they commissions, for example, telling people that commissions are non-negotiable was one of the things one article said when we all know that commissions are always negotiable. But that doesn't mean a company doesn't have a standard by which they hold their agents to and say, we're not going to do any less than this number because this is how we stay in business and we earn it because these are the things we're going to do to show you that we can earn it. So you can't really say that just because they say it's not negotiable, that, that it might be because clearly legally it is, but I do know companies that do not waver on their commissions. I wouldn't call them a liar for that. Um, buyers are lined up at the door wanting to buy their listing. You know, there, I've been on both sides of that argument before. I've had people tell me that when I'm trying to make an offer or when I'm viewing a piece of property to buy. Um, you know, typically I, you can, there are certain ways your realtor should be able to very easily distinguish whether or not that's even remotely true. Um, if you've picked the right realtor to help you with this project, that's going to be an easy one to overcome. And if there are people lined up at the door, well, you know, you're looking at a good property and you make a fair assessment to the property. And if somebody's willing to pay more for it than you think is fair, then then it was probably a good idea for you to be looking at something else. Anyways, I don't think <clears throat> I don't think them just saying it. But do they lie about that? Well, yeah, I think they have the tendency to probably say that there's more people in line than than legitimately are. And then uh, productivity. Um, do they lie about their productivity? I, you know. Again, I think they try to paint a picture or facade that, of what they think, you know, uh, your expectations are. I know I took a group of kids from the church chaperone down to um, an amusement park um, locally, and they had these cartoon artists there. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. So what I did was I sat down in the chair and I challenged the young man and I said, would you draw me, please, 
as a successful person. Draw your impression of what I would be as a successful person. I had that picture hanging in my office for years. <clears throat> Excuse me. I uh, I thought it was a great way to um, represent the you know the different ideas and concepts people have. The young man drew me in a suit and tie, diving into a pile of cash, and certainly that looked like a very successful businessman. Um, not what I would have called my vision of success, but it was perfectly suited for the message I gave the young people I took with me, in terms of say, seeing how the world might. Um, envision a successful person, not necessarily a successful Christian person, but uh, a successful person nonetheless. Uh, so I thought it was a great—I thought it was a great lesson, if nothing else, right? Um, you know. Anyways, all right. So then let's move on. There, there. We also found some articles that talked about um, myths in real estate. Um, you know, one here says that uh, the the less commission you pay, the more you make. Discount brokers like to propel this myth. They claim that that uh, to save sellers money by charging less. The truth is, oh, really, you're going to get what you pay for in most cases. Uh, discount, um, discounted listing offers, for example, are typically discounted services, and so you may find yourself being on the house, uh, your house being on the market longer than it needed to be. Uh, did you get the right advice on when, when, and how you set your pricing to get? The maximum value for your home, you know, there there are some really big questions that you have, <coughs> excuse me, that need to be answered. Dealing with real estate, that that you need help with. I mean, I need help with it, and I'm and I'm in the business. If I'm listing my own home, I it's it's personal to me, and I may make decisions based on what I know to be personal in that property, and not necessarily. Um, what is true to the marketplace? So you know you want a realtor to get in there and help you and dig in and say you know here's where your market price is at. Here's a good marketing plan on what I think will work for your house. Uh, here you know these are the people that are in your market. Here I'm at the beach, so uh, you know people think oh well, you're at the beach you're selling million dollar homes out on the ocean. Well yes there are million dollar houses out on the ocean, but there are probably five to one. People that have to service the people who are in the hotels and in the beachfront properties and all these other places. So, you know, so we probably have just as strong a market in the hundred to hundred and fifty thousand dollar range as we do the million plus range. And so we have a very wide parameter. This is the only place in the world I tell people that you can have a million dollar house and a fishing shanty beside it, or a single wide mobile home right there beside it. There's a huge mixture and a wide range of variety styles and designs. So. Um, so yeah, be careful on the discounting. Get some professional help on that. And uh, if it costs you a little bit more in commission, it costs you a little bit more in commission. While we're at the commission myth, let's talk about that. You know, people say, well, the seller, uh, you know, is paying the commissions. They negotiated the commissions up front with the uh, listing broker, and so they're the ones doing that. But let's be honest: the buyer's the one bringing the cash to the table. So although the buyer only negotiated the buyer's agency commission, and the seller negotiated the listing commission on that deal, there is no commission until the buyer brings cash to the table. You know, in a perfect world, we all want to make sure we've all done our part, earned our money, and everybody's happy writing whatever check they have to write. If you feel like you got over easy and you sold something too quick as a realtor, then give them a discount. <coughs> Excuse me. If you、uh, 
if you feel like it, you know, you had a, a trying situation and maybe a troublesome seller, then, you know, you've earned your money and everybody should be happy to write the checks. Uh, please, people, don't be out there che cheating your realtor out of their commissions. You know, uh, they t you talk about how they're getting rich. The average uh, real estate salary is only $36,000 a year gross. Gross. They got to pay the taxes out of it. They got to pay their fees out of the MLS out of that. The average real estate person in the country today can't live off real estate alone. It's like as a real estate appraiser, I, I it's not the only thing I do. I do appraisals. I, I do homes, new homes, and I do real estate. Um, because none of those necessarily uh, are going to make me rich and famous overnight. They all take work. They're all hard work. Uh, our company here at NC Realty Services is a little different in the way that we're bringing things together and building businesses and building partnerships. And we love for people to come, more and more people to come and get on board with that. But, um, but in today's world, if you look at the average realtor, you know, it's the old, the old rule, 20% of the people doing 80% of the volume. Uh, I think that's still very true in, in real estate. So, all right, so let's talk about a couple more myths. The more you pay for a house, the more the agent makes. This particular ad is saying that's not true. It is exactly true. Your commissions are 99% of the time based on a percentage. There's a reason that when you say you want a $200,000 house, they're showing you $250,000 houses. A, they want to maximize what you spend. But B, the $250,000 seller is going to give off something. So it's not going to be a $250,000 sale in their mind. You know, finding the right happy medium in there has a lot to do with the conversation and the stories we tell up front. As we get to know each other, if you're working for me, when we talk about that budget and what, if any, flexibility you have in it. There's no reason for me to show you houses you can't or will not buy. There's no reason for you to be looking at houses that you cannot and will not buy. So let's not waste each other's time. I'm in all politeness and all fairness, I don't want to waste your time. Um, let's just look at what works for you in your budget. I tell people that come into my office in here we and doing new construction packages. And I say to them, you know, my job, and I'm asking for a job. It's a job interview when they come in. I want you to hire me, and I'm going to tell you why you should hire me. But, but at the end of the day, my job is to get you under budget, under budget, and under time. So tell me how much time you have to work with and how much budget you have to work with. I don't care how much the bank will loan you. Listen, that's private information. That's nobody's business. If you're going around telling people the bank's going to loan you $400,000, guess what they're showing you? They're showing you $450,000 houses. Stop it. Tell them where your budget is at, where you're comfortable with your payment. You know, if you've got a payment or or what you're comfortable writing the check for. And if that happens to be $250,000, then it's $250,000. It doesn't matter what you qualify for. It matters what you feel comfortable buying. Now, you know, at the end of the day, if there are no $250,000 houses in the market you're trying to buy in and nobody's willing to build you one for that, well, we're either in the wrong market or you're in the wrong budget. And, and that's just the reality of it. But again, instead of wasting everybody's time and talking about the impossible, there's no sense in looking at all these things that, that you're not ever going to consider. Secondly, looking at 20, 30 houses is just going to boggle most people's minds. It's going to run together. They're going to forget what was in what house. Uh, it might be a good idea for you to be out there kicking tires and looking at that when you're just trying to get ideas together. And I say, go to every open house there is out there. But once you hire your realtor and put them to work, give that realtor the specific details of what it is you're trying to buy and let them hone in on the best houses for the money. And again, tell them you want to be under time and under budget. That's what you need to be doing. All right. 
So, but the truth is, they do. If they sell more, they're going to the commission is going to be more, and 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 that is true. It is not a myth. <clears throat> uh, uh, real estate agents are always late for appointments. I hope that's not true. Um, I I try to emphasize that time is very important. I went to a house to do an appraisal uh, the other yesterday, and the woman opened the door and said, "Oh my God, you're right on time." And I thought, well, isn't that what you expected? She's like, well. No, I guess that's not what I had expected. I said, "Well, okay, I can go down the street and have breakfast and come back." She just laughed. Um, you know, everybody's time is important, and I have an uncle that's very savvy about that, and he'll tell you right now: if you're too late for an appointment, he may not be there when you get there because his time is valuable to him. He finds it very disrespectful that you would that you would tell him his time is not valuable by wasting his time. If you make an appointment, show up for the appointment on time. I hope that's not true, but I won't discredit that myth at this point. Um, agents must show homes on demand, or are required to show homes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, definitely a myth. No, that's not true. First of all, if I'm a if I'm a buyer's agent, I'm going to show you the homes that fit your, those categories. I'm, you can't just step up and say, "Hey, I want to see that two million dollar house over there," and see how the other half lives. Again. Uh, agents don't work for free. We want to get paid, and showing 20 houses is not the way to do it. I like to show as few homes as possible because I want to have done the homework and put you in the right house to begin with. But,、um, but for somebody to call me on the phone, for example, and say I'm sitting in front of a sign out here that, and I, you know, that house is for sale, 123 Main Street. How quick can you get down here to show it to me? I can't. I'm going to say you have to come by the office first of all for security reasons. I'm not going to just let anybody. I want to vet that client and make sure we don't have Jeffrey Dahmer trying to get in. Or I guess I shouldn't be using real names, but you know, you don't want some axe murderers, somebody like that, trying to get into your house. We want to vet that person a little better. We want security for our own self. We don't want to run down there and have somebody, you know, mug us, rob us, whatever,、uh, while we're trying to do our job and show the house. So no, I'm not going to do that, and we don't have to do that on demand. Now you'd say, well, wait a minute, I listed with you. And、I expect you to show every potential buyer. The key there is potential buyer. Okay, not every quack that rings the doorbell, not everybody that calls me on the phone. That you want somebody who's ready, willing, and able to buy. So my first question when they call me and say I want to see this house is, who are you pre-qualified with? Right? Come by my office. Let's check out the pre-qualifications. Let's check out, you know, get, let me get a copy of your identification, you know, that kind of thing, so we can all be safe. And protected, and if they're not willing to do that, they probably weren't a buyer. They probably weren't. I'm gonna let somebody else spin that tire. So,、uh, so that's a myth. No, we don't have to show every home on demand.、Uh, I would, I would appreciate、um, complete respect、uh, from my clients, the people I work with. I tell people I'm not gonna build every house, I'm not gonna sell every house, I'm not gonna buy every house. You know, I try to work with people that I don't have to duck down the aisle in the grocery store if I see you. Uh, I I, I want to walk up to you and talk about your new house, and if you're still enjoying it, is there something you'd have done differently? You know, I, I want us to have a great conversation about what we've done for you、uh, in your, you know, in with your new house. So,、uh, okay, and so、uh, agents get kickback. That's illegal.、Uh, if there's an agent getting a kickback, please turn them in、um, because it, it taints the whole industry. But it should not be a myth. It's even on the list. It's been illegal since, gosh.、Uh, The early '70s, I think, is when that went into effect, and、uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So there should not be any kickback at all.、Uh, 
An agent's home inspector will always find favor for the agent. Listen, in my experience has been a home inspector is always going to find something wrong. That's their job. Their job is to find not only the things that are wrong, but the things that might potentially go wrong. Now you have to be careful with that because that home inspector's role is to protect his company, company first, right? So he's going to write in a lot of disclaimers. Well, I saw a little piece of flashing on the roof. That's the potential for a leak down the road. That automatically means you can't sue him for a leaky roof later. So he's covered his bases, but he's also pointed out to you something that might need a little further investigation. But I've never seen a home inspection come out clean. I never have. Every single home inspection comes out with items that are of concern and need to be addressed. So I don't see how they can waver one way or the other. Um, you know, if it happens again, turn them in. I don't. I don't know if that happening. I don't know if anybody that's run into that situation. All real estate agents make too much money. It is true that it costs a lot of money um, to market and sell a house. And as a seller, you should be anticipating some of those costs. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons why buying and selling homes too quickly is not really productive because there is a cost um, for sales. There's a cost for anything. Look, when I figured my money, my profits, my gross profits in the restaurant business, I figured out a certain amount, six cents, 16 cents, whatever, that went to the girl who served that burger or to the guy who served that drink and fries. We had to accredit that labor force to that cost, right? And the same is true in real estate. It costs money for us to open an office. It costs money to buy equipment and computers and copiers and, and, and filing cabinets. And it, it costs money to, to sign up for the MLSs and and to buy E&O insurance. And that's what you want us to have. You want us to have all these insurance things that are going to protect you. So it also costs money to have an appraisal done on your house and a home inspection done and, and all these other things that might be recommended that you do to your house, Mr. and Mrs. Seller. And that those things are really your responsibility. Now, somebody who bought their house 20, 25 years ago is going to take that on the chin because they have so much equity built up in their house that spending the money to do those things and to do it right is going to give them great peace of mind and still let them walk away with a sizable, equitable check. Somebody who's only had their house a few years is going to possibly lose money over that, but certainly not feel good about giving the lion's share of their equity to all these other contractors. But that's just the fact of life. If you want a good, safe, clean transaction, then follow your realtor's advice and get a home inspection done, have an appraisal done up front. If you trust your realtor has the knowledge and skills to give you the right number, okay, but you're risking the fact that that it may not be the right number when it comes time to get the loan. Look, you may be selling the house for $200,000. The buyer comes along and wants to buy it for $200,000. The appraiser comes along and says it's worth $195,000. Guess what the bank's going to give you? <laughs> the bank doesn't want to secure the collateral with more money than it's worth. The, the, the appraiser is not out there to squirrel your deal. He's not intentionally saying, I'm going to come in short. He's coming in and saying, this is what the number is. This is where the good buy is at. And then decisions have to be made. Will the, will the buyer pay more? Will the seller concede and give up some? You know, good negotiations need to take place there so that everybody comes away feeling like a winner and there are no losers. But if you'd had the appraisal done in the first place, you'd already known it was at 195 and you'd have been prepared for that. So it, it's important to have these things done. It's important to do uh, what your realtor guides you to do. Once you've selected the right realtor, you got to trust in them to do their job. So uh, yeah, it is a lot of money. It's not a lot of money going. We talked about 
how little that a realtor actually makes in a given year. Um, so it's not, it's not really that they're getting rich on. They also have a lot of pieces of pie if you think about it. If, if you got a, a listing agent and you got a buyer's agent, both of those people have a company. So the company gets a slice, they get a slice. The other company gets a slice, the other agent gets a slice. So automatically your commission's cut in four pieces. Now they don't necessarily need to be equal pieces. Everybody's deal is different, but but nonetheless, four, at least four people are sharing in that commission. And so when you think about that $4,000 commission, it's really $1,000 each. Did your, did your agent market and do what he was supposed to do for his $1,000? So um, bear that in mind when you think about how much money uh, are they really making? Are there some really good deals out there? Yes, I'm not, not going to fool you. There have been some very big commission deals that have worked out really well. But my adage has always been, and I say in my agency, your listing money should be spent on the marketing. You know, you hope you get lucky and it sells quick and then you save some of that marketing money. But you should your your target plan. If your target is to sell that house in 90 days, then your target should include how I'm spending that listing money in 90 days. You know, that's that's just how it is. The real money is on the buyer's side. The buyer's agent doesn't have to have all that marketing. And in fact, the marketing he should be doing is to to get more buyers. Um, so uh, that's where the profitability to me in my agency we look for our buyers agents to be um, the profitable ones uh, another myth is they say agents will say anything they have to that makes the sale yes there are agents out there that will say whatever they have to um, i like to think that i i like to sit down whether it's a buyer or a seller and have a genuine conversation and if you if you read my book you hear me talking about the story is the most important thing um, you know facts tell but stories sell I want to know why the seller is leaving and what they love most about their house and the years they had in the house and what they enjoyed most. And I want to hear those stories. I want to, I want to see it in my mind that they, you know, they hanging around by the pool and the grill and, you know, whatever. Uh, we're here at the beach. So a lot of people have um, apartment buildings and things over a garage or something. And, and the stories they can tell about family members coming down and getting to spend a week with them at the beach and, and you know what a great joy that brings to their family and to their lives. I want those stories. Uh, do I want to relate to it? Yes. Am I going to relate to some degree? I'm sure we'll find some common ground. Will I say anything I have to to make the sale? No, because I'm equally concerned about the next story. Um, the you know the next person that lives in that house's story and the seller's story of their next destination where they're going. So it's about the stories to me. Um, I hope we don't have too many people out there still, you know, telling, saying whatever they have to say. Wow, that's a lot of real estate information for one, for one. Yes, that's a lot of uh, real estate for one session. And I broke all my rules, right? I'm, I'm over the 20 minute mark by, I'm going to be on a two and one. Maybe I should split it in half and call it part one and part two. Anyways, um, if you have other questions about myths or real estate lies, feel free to chime in, send me a note or something. I'll be happy to address those for you as well. So you can have um, my two cents worth. If, if you got any change to spare, you can buy my two cents worth, <laughs> whatever. Um, I, I, let me give a sponsor plug while I'm here, even though it's been kind of long. Listen, if you want to do a podcast, Anchor is the place to be. 
Uh, Anchor.fm forward slash Keith dash Hatting is my direct uh, source for here, but I'm everywhere now. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Google Podcasts. I'm I'm on you know radio whatever it is. I'm on them all. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> so mom, check them all out instead of just the one. And um, but if you're going to do a podcast on your own, check out Anchor, please. Uh, they make it so simple and easy. If you saw me sitting here making this podcast with this little bitty ten dollar piece of equipment you would be shocked and amazed. I actually picked up my iPad the other day and did a Monday Morning Miseries. Some of you know I do that. Monday Morning Miseries are rants and raves. And um, and it started it up like it's a whole separate new podcast, which it probably probably should have been anyways. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so now, now I've got that to juggle, but now I can take it with me anywhere. So there's really no excuse for me not to get other people involved. So you're going to start hearing me maybe uh, invite other people to sit down uh, with me and and talk about uh, you know whatever the, the topic is of the day and we'll probably just de- determine that topic based on the guest and uh, and so I can just pop it up I could do it on my phone although I haven't really tried to do that I was worried about the quality um, of the sound I guess I should have been that way in the beginning with this piece of equipment but it seems to be working for me and I and nobody's complained and called in and said or or emailed in and said, hey, knock it off. The sound's terrible. Um, for some reason, I feel like I'm raising my voice when I'm talking to you guys on this thing, when I really should get that radio voice on and stay in the deeper tones. Uh, it's just challenging to do when you're just having a conversation with yourself. So maybe I'll get better at that as we as we bring more people into the, into the realm of this thing. I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are as well. So, um, so Anchor is the way to go. Listen, if you never thought about doing a podcast until you heard one of these and you saw, hey, man, I can do it as good as Keith's doing it, and you, and you can, trust me, then uh, then just jump on Anchor right quick and see how easy and uh, and free and just jump in there and say, hey, I want to start a podcast. Uh, come up with a good title and you pick out some artwork and then you just start hitting buttons and if you do like me, you'll figure out that, hey, you can put sounds and music around these things, and background music in there. Excuse me. I always say it's teaching an old dog new tricks, but uh, anybody can learn to do it. So don't be shy. Uh, jump right in. Pick it up. Who knows? Maybe your stuff will go viral and you'll become rich and famous just because I suggested you could go to Anchor and do your own podcast. So there's my plug for Anchor. I appreciate everything they're doing for me. And uh, um, they're not paying for that. I'm just giving that to you. Let me just say that most of my plugs are free because I don't have sponsors standing in line knocking down my door yet. I hope, I hope some sponsors will step up to the plate here soon and say, Hey, we'd love to, you know, be a part of this, uh, podcast or broadcast. And, uh, so I look forward to those days too, because still got a lot of time ahead of us. We're, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we're not going to learn it all today. We're not going to do it all today. So, uh, let me just say, uh, it's a pleasure. I'm sorry I went long and, uh, I hope you'll forgive me. I think it was a lot of good content or information though. And I would love to hear back from you on any feedback you have on that. So again, this is Keith Hatting, NC Realty Services and South Bay Developers in Ocean Isle Beach. Uh, NC Realtors in Supply and Ocean and South Bay in Ocean Isle Beach. So get that straight. Same highway, two different towns. And uh, come by and see me or call Facebook. I tell people I'm like Visa. I'm everywhere you want to be. Uh, you can text, call, email, Facebook, whatever you need to do. Uh, you can get on this podcast and leave a message. We can include it in our next podcast. That's what I love about that. You 
you want to share your comments and say, plug this into your show, be happy to do it. Well, I'm going to read the, I'm going to read or listen to it first, but then I'll be happy to do it. If you want to come by and we do one live, or you want me to come by, we'll do it on the iPad. I'll be happy to do that too. So uh, anyways, until we hear each other again, uh, God bless. Thank you.